Hello, and welcome back to What's the Lesson, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of social-emotional learning. I'm Jill. And I'm Mary. Together, we're your guides on this journey of empowering parents and their amazing teens and tweens. Today, we have a very special guest, someone who's making waves in the realm of culturally responsive pedagogy. She's a dynamic force in fostering self-awareness, restorative practices, and successful strategies in both personal and professional environments. We're thrilled to introduce Mariana Sousa, a trailblazer in educational initiatives, healing arts, and trauma-informed care. Mariana's work champions equity, and inclusion through her interactive workshops, keynote presentations, and transformative events. Her story is as inspiring as her mission, from discovering her voice through fine arts and performing to using that voice to captivate and create meaningful change. Her journey is a testament to the power of self-expression. A recent TikTok video discussing culturally relevant topics with a group of young men is what caught our attention, and it resonated so deeply that we just knew we had to have her share her insights with all of you. As we dive into today's episode, a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Bark Technologies. Bark safeguards your children's digital lives by monitoring texts, emails, and 30-plus platforms for safety concerns, keeping families secure in a digital age. Thanks, Bark. Let's get into it. Welcome to What's the Lesson, the podcast that takes you on a deep dive into the world of character development. We're Jill and Mary, the dynamic duo behind Girls Mentorship. We foster self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-awareness for tween and teen girls, along with their invaluable network of supporters through events, resources, and mentorship. Picture us as your coaches, walking alongside you through the world of social-emotional learning, and think of this podcast as your own personal roadmap. We'll support you in discovering obstacles that might be holding you back and gain clarity on why this work is a game changer not only for your growth, but for the next generation of leaders as well. Alongside our fantastic guests, we're here to share knowledge about how you can change old patterns of behavior and make sense of those WTF moments, shifting them into lessons that can drastically improve your life instead. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a superhero stay-at-home mom, or someone fueled by boundless curiosity, our mission is crystal clear to supercharge your emotional intelligence and sprinkle the magic of SEL into every corner of your life. Thanks for inspiring us. Yeah, I don't I don't own edutainment. I was raised by edutainment yep. specialists, right? People in community who were either storytellers, which in my uh, ethnic background from African culture and tradition, those are the, the griots, the people that give lessons uh, you know, when we see things like Aesop's fables or, you know, Anansi the spider, when you look at the origins of them, it is storytelling, which is one of the most ancient forms of education that we have on this planet Earth when it comes down to passing valuable lessons and information from generation to generation. So I was raised by griots, by poets, by artists who, although they were entertaining, they were really giving a message um, that we preserve through passing through those different uh, traditions in our cultures. Yeah. Beautiful. Really. And it speaks volumes of why you do what you do, I'm assuming, right? We have experiences in our life where maybe it wasn't the most favorable thing. Like I can look back at the things I've gone through and I never would have thought on the other side of that, that I'd be doing the work I do now, but it's all because of that, not in spite of that. So would you say, I mean, reading a little bit about you on your website was, and you just said it, you've been doing this for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So in terms of quote unquote, this, will you explain a little bit more about what this is and how you got into it, why it's so important to you, because it jumps off the screen. Your passion for it is palpable, um, which is why we ran to the DMs. We were like, gotta have her on the show. (laughs) Like literally, I this is such an important conversation in the way you're delivering the information. So will you give us a little background as to what the last 20 years have encompassed for you and why why it's so important? Yeah. So that's a really 
Brilliant question, because a lot of folks, I got thousands of folks in all the different platform inboxes, like, you know, I, you lit a f passion in me. I, I'm a teacher. I want to be a mentor. You know, how do I do this? What degrees do you have? And I like to be very forthcoming about this extemporaneous journey that I've been yeah. in. And it doesn't matter what anybody's spiritual belief is. Like if you believe in an almighty creative, a great spirit out there, uh, I think there's a joke. It's like that says something to the effect of like, you want to tell God what you want to want to do to make them laugh or whatever. Cause it's like, you, you, you think you have this straightforward path. <laughs> reality is, is right. there's be beautiful, hectic, chaotic, exciting, thrilling, uh, you know, twists and turns in that journey. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what has been for me. So what this is at this stage of my life as a 44 year old woman is I am a social wellness leader. And that shows up in the work of being a social wellness practitioner. But how it all began is my roots as an entertainer. So my mother at a young age did a beautiful job of seeing that I was singing and, and dancing and freestyling and doing, you know, self-made plays around the house and theater monologues, making <laughs> a lot of stuff just as a little, you know, peewee running around the house. And she realized like, oh, there's something here. And she did a beautiful job of making sure, you know, we were poor, we didn't have, we didn't come from a, you know, what is it? Silver spoon in the mouth, yeah, right? Okay. She saw that there were gifts here that needed to be nurtured. And so one of the things that she did is she scoured the community for every kind of free festival, uh, you know, classes for kids, youth theater, all kind of yeah, different she things. Did. She could put it to me, talent shows, which, you know, you're, <laughs> you're your audience is parents. And one thing when I'm dealing with working with family engagement in the home, school, neighborhood, and workplace, I always encourage parents to lean into and nurture those little sparks, right? Um, that we see our young children expressing those curiosities, those interests, or those just natural inclinations. And my mom did a beautiful job of that. So the first, you know, legs of my life all the way up into, you know, my twenties was really uh, theater, uh, singing, poetry, rapping, just creative expression in every aspect. I, you know, I can dance, but I'm not a dancer like that. I got to meet, you know, I can groove, I feel but, you. I, right, but I'm not a, like an Alvin Ailey dancer, trained dancer. But the point was, is the oratorical skill sets were placed in me. And, and, you know, through that, that led me to hip hop and hip hop, being able to express myself, especially being a young lady in a, a male dominated, not only society, yeah. But a trade, you know, or a skill set, which, you know, most of the MCs were male. So yeah. one thing I love to talk about in terms of the positive aspects of, of hip hop is number one, it, you know, the cultural expression is uplifted. Your voice or your message is uplifted, especially if you come from marginalized environments where your voice isn't valued by the greater globe and the community. Uh, the second thing I would say that uh, being an artist and then being a part of hip hop culture was, is I ain't nervous in front of anybody. Like if you're going to be a female <laughs> MC and you know, you're busting into the cypher of all males rapping right. and timing their flows, number one, you got to step with confidence right. and number two, you got to be able to freestyle. And so one thing that the beauty of hip hop culture and being an artistic person at a young age is it boosted my self-esteem, my self-awareness, and just my ability to walk into a room and say, look, even if you've been rapping twice as longer than me, you might be a, a senior, but I'm a freshman. I'm, I'm going to get with you. I got some bars, right? So just that hey. leg of life, my mother really did a beautiful job of making sure that I was in theater and major productions. And that was powerful for me. But what happened is I started looking around and I'm like, I'm around all these geniuses, these musicians, these artists, these people who master expression. But behind the scenes, a lot of what fueled that greatness on the stage came out of being born out of pain. And yeah. I realized to myself, I was like, damn, you know, you know, the beautiful struggle. And I was like, well, why, do, you know, why has it got to be such a struggle? You know, why is so much of what we're amplifying comes from a space of pain? And so I started to really study my peers and myself realizing like, okay, pain can give birth to, to strength, uh, resilience, but I'm kind of tired of seeing like people and, and people from my community, like having to be inspired through the root of pain. What happens? Right. We can start to shift into healing. So there was like always a little disposition in the back of my mind, like, yo, if we can produce these beautiful things and inspire community members with our art in pain, gee, what could we do if we were actually healing, right? So just keep that in mind as I'm storytelling how I got here, that that was always in the back of my mind that, wow, what would happen if we as young people can produce uh, such great things out of pain? What would happen if we started producing from a space of healing? So fast forward, and because I learned this voice, 
And I understood like, hmm, you know how to galvanize attention from people. I realized like, hmm, you know how to get a whole room to their feet. You know, this is powerful, right? I remember one of my first uh, talent shows my mom put me in. I was, I'm going to show my age now. Uh, I was listening <laughs> to Janet Jackson, right? <laughs> Which one? Oh, come on now. People told me. I was going to ask if we could get a little, you know, something on the vocals. But what happened I ever went to. When you're a performing artist, most of the time, or just in the zone of whatever your gift is, things go into a very surreal, slow motion time. You're there and you're present, but the mantle of creative expression, when you are zoned in and you're 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 wide open, you're you're present and you're there, but there's also like the spiritual uh, level of slow motion going on, right? And so I remembered at that young age, I might've been 10, 11 years old, maybe eight, nine, you know, still in elementary school. And I remember performing but watching the sparkle in people's eyes, watching this magic and this power. And I was like, yo, this is a thing right here. So when, once I went through you know, high, middle school and high school, I, I graduated and I was like, okay, well, you know how to capture people's attention, but what you gonna do with it? You know, like what, what you know, you know, everybody like these days, people want followers. Okay, you're a leader, you got so-called followers. Where are right. you taking people to? Where where yeah. are you leading people to? And so um in my Your Amazon storefront. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. Making somebody else, making yeah. somebody else a millionaire, right? While right. most of those people are in poverty because oftentimes some of the most talented people are exploited to make somebody else money. Mm -hmm. And so I realized this and I was like, okay, so I started getting really into activism and leadership. And because of the community that I was raised in, uh, it was very much about uh, collective work and responsibility, lifting up your community members, cooperative economics, creativity, how to use those non-traditional ways to empower ourselves when a lot of the greater institutions uh, don't give us or afford those opportunities to us. And so then I started blazing in leadership. So now we've got the artistic expression. I understand my power in that lane, but now I'm starting to understand like, oh, I am facilitating community events now rooted in safety awareness, crisis prevention, uh, you know, community engagement. So this goes on and on. 20s, you know, started feeding the homeless, getting people to understand that you don't have to be reached, uh, rich to come together and pack some care packages and give them out to the homeless. So through my 20s, through my 30s, I'm starting to, in the beginning of my 30s, I'm starting to realize like, okay, you're an artist, but you're also an activist and a leader. Mm -hmm. So in my mid 30s, I went back to school and you know, I didn't do the traditional college route. A lot of people assume like I have a master's degree in something. I'm a late in life college student. And I love sharing that part of my story yeah. because I want to make sure people understand that education shows up in different ways and in, in different trajectories. And it's not only it's not only an institution with four walls often made historically by people that don't look like me and didn't care about me. That is not the only way to garner my high level education. I, you know, I've been a part of workshops and apprenticeships and, you know, a lot of non-traditional forms of education, but I went back to school because, you know, I wanted experience. So I got an AA degree in communications, which was a nice big umbrella, right? Because I yeah. know I'm a communicator, I know I'm a leader, but I needed something big enough to where I can go down any route. Right. And so my uh, internship I um, chose was in the, through the lens of journalism. And with journalism, I, you know, did some really great uh, internships with NPR radio, Capital Public Radio. So then I started realizing the power of storytelling in a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And I took it up a notch. I took it up a notch. Yeah. And I realized, I was like, oh, okay. So you know how to get people's attention. You know how to be on stage, but there's a power in being behind the stage and behind the mic and allowing other people the opportunity to speak their truth and to tell their story. Mm. And guess what theme? showed up there again, community members being in pain. Mm. So remember what I told you to mark in the back of your head before I said, gosh, you know, there's these wonderful activists and community members, but they're in pain. And then again, there's these artists, but they're in pain. So this, this resonating theme started showing up that there are a lot of people with gifts in, in, in the arts. There are a lot of people with gifts in terms of community leadership and activism, but they're all in pain. What now? So now again, I'm saying to myself, what happens if I can start helping these activists and community mm -hmm. leaders? If they're able to produce all these wonderful movements actively in pain, what happens if these activists and leaders, what can they create and what impact can they make if they begin to heal? 
Well, I love the fact that you've asked yourself these questions. And I think throughout, that, throughout yeah. your experience, because it can I'm, be very easy to like not do that, right? If we don't explore, if right. we're not curious, if we don't want to quote unquote, try to solve a problem, then we're going to stay where we are. Mm -hmm. And we're going to accept the fact that these things are like that. Well, mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to just so I can, as I'm following this amazing story, how long did you have that moment of like, okay, I'm noticing people are in pain. What happens? if we were to flip the narrative, when did you recognize that? And then when, when, and then was it years in between this other aha moment? Aha moment? How long, how, as far as like, give us, give us a time frame. You know, just as I'm born a creator um, and an artist, I'm born a problem solver. Um, there's always been a natural inclination. Even when I was, I was a kid, I was a conflict manager and I wore the vest with the little clip. Yes, you were. <laughs> and I thought I was doing something. It was so nerdy. Come to me, I will solve your problems. I was like a little baby auntie. They call me auntie now. I was like baby auntie. Then yes. right, there's always something in me that wanted to create solutions. Mm. So I think that's what was behind the backdrop of being you know, it's one thing if you can gain all the attention, but who yeah. are you when everyone's not clapping and you're behind the scenes? So become, going into journalism and storytelling was good for me to take the backseat and not need to be the one on all the time and bear witness to other people's stories. People who might not share their stories because they're not an artist, but they do have an opportunity through your journalism to share it. So to answer your question, I've always had the spirit of being a, a problem solver. You know, it, you're, I'm that friend that if you come with me with an issue, I'm going to intentionally ask, did you just, <laughs> did you want a vent or did you want some feedback? Because the feedback you're going to get is how we going to fix this and how we going to get you together. Friend. I'm not going to let you stay in this moment. We're I moving it. through it and we're moving out of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not staying here. I'll let you feel your feelings, but we can't stay here. So I think the combination of me being a natural born problem solver and then starting to gain these deep observations of such valuable community members with maybe lack of resources or exposure, but always creating. And, and to me, when you create art, you are creating solutions. When you are projecting the power of one story and making other people aware to be exposed of it, that is the beginning of problem solving to any Amen. issue you're aware, right? Yeah. That's so, a beautiful way to put it. I love that. Yeah, really? Yeah. So this is getting closer to where we are. So in our in in the 30s, I start uh networking more on a deeper level, right? I start realizing more okay, intentionality. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, okay, I gotta do something with this. I know how to rock a crowd. I know how to garner and 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 take stories and and share them abroad. I know how to uh, do active and leadership. And all the while I'm giving free workshops, right? I'm doing com free community events. They're building up. I'm serving different populations, backgrounds, like I said, uh, students, uh, staff members, uh, you know, unhomed community members. Uh, I work with people from, you know, backgrounds of experiencing domestic violence, right? Just all kind of issues and just creating workshops or healing circles or conversations around them. And then I started realizing that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is where we start getting into uh, shifting from just edutainment and um, really starting to, in this leg of my life in my 40s, mid 30s to now mid 40s of being a social wellness leader, galvanizing all of those different experiences in my life and understanding that I can operate for people in the home, school, neighborhood and workplace and create family engagement create community engagement, create movements, uh, use my voice to uh, platform issues that folks of concern need help to have representation and healthy dialogue and discussion. And I started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, which I've recently retired from in creating a whole mental health practice. And I want to say this one thing very clearly is that I have been challenged by so many folks in academia uh, who in a very fearful kind of like fear pump fake in the little fear, like, well, you know, you better be careful. You know, you can't provide these kind of services. You're not a psychologist. You're not a psychologist. Right. I'm so glad we're not alone in that. We, boat. yeah, we, we know what that feels like. Pushback. It's, yeah. it's mm -hmm. pretty incredible because what we're wanting to do, what we have done, I mean, our, our careers pale in comparison, but everything leads up to something. So even right. when I owned a gym, it was the purpose of serving community, right? Um, it, it's crazy that 
what we want to do is help people and we want to equip people with skills, tools, and knowledge that they don't have or they don't know they have within them already to make them better people. Because when we can make one person a better person, as you hinted at earlier, we can change a whole community. Right. And it is, will never stop actually being just baffling to us that the pushback is there because it is almost like a jealousy this what's mine is mine type thing as if we're coming for for their dinner we're we're not doing that we we want desperately to help the younger versions of who we were the tools that we didn't have and i see that so clearly in what you're doing well and i'm so glad because it's your gift and you don't need you don't need a degree for the gifts that god has given you to, you know, to continue to make change, make an influence, make an impact. And I hate when people make a comment. And if you're not well, like if you aren't socially, emotionally well, it can rob you of actually leaning into those gifts and making a difference in this world. So bravo, because um, you're you're continuing to, to, to blaze, push back, baby. blaze this trail. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's interesting to me. I, I love being a bridge in conversations that I think it's not a me versus tradition. It's how do we do integrative wellness? I have, you know, wonderful people who have gone the trajectory of being traditional psychiatrists, psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists. I don't shun them because no. we don't have a space. We need them. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. There's some cases where I was like, nah, I need to refer you out. Like <laughs> that ain't me. <laughs> I'm a coach, but what right. you need is beyond my skill set. I think that is the biggest issues when people are not willing to say this is out of my skill set and lane. Right. That's when the harm starts to begin exactly. because you right. need to be, it needs to be clear that I do have certification in trauma informed care, yes. family engagement, child abuse. I did get different levels of certification, but I'm not here to treat, you know, severe psychosis. I'm not Mm -hmm. here to do diagnosis or prescription. I have no problem with that. So the only time when I was getting pushback from people who have come from the traditional realms, I do think that that was more of a competitive spirit. And my job is not to clap back. My job is not to be sassy. All I got to do is speak the truth. The truth doesn't just to be uh, forceful and mean and rude. The truth will do what it do. All I got to do is speak it. And so when people, and and I want to say this specifically for parents or counselors, or whether you're traditional or non-traditional, we don't have to be at odds with each other. The idea is community and family engagement, and we're here to create safeguards and safety nets for young people. Mm -hmm. And if they see us feuding on, you're not qualified for this, or you're not qualified for that, that comes from a space of judgment rather than let me lean in and find out what your specialty and skill set is, because I might not be good in that area. I might need you. and We can work together in the spirit of collective work and responsibility. And so all of this is what brings me to where I am now as a social wellness leader operating as a practitioner, uh, helping folks work through mental health issues, helping folks uh, with tools and approaches and methodologies for emotional hygiene. Because when we get that personal healing of their trauma, like uh, my workbook I have is called Own Your Shit and Parents Calm Down. The acronym for shit is some healing in there because we all have some healing in there to do. I don't care what our status is, our accolades is, how much money, how popular we are. We all have some experiences, whether it's direct trauma or secondary trauma or generational trauma that we are here on this planet earth to work through. And I created that workbook to help me own my healing and then eventually refresh myself. And so that's what my coaching services were called, refresh sessions. So the next stop is really, really working with artists with activists, with politicians, and yes, of course, everyday people, but ultimately leaders. If you're a parent, you're a leader of your household. So you don't have to be somebody that's trying to go global with your work, right? You are a leader at some capacity. You might be an older sibling. To a certain extent, you are a leader and a guide for your younger sibling. So my job now from going from helping people to own their shit to 
helping people to refresh themselves is now working with large crowds and groups. Cause I can only do so much with folks one-on-one, but the most right. high God said, hey, baby girl, you've been doing this behind the scenes for a minute. I need you to go out into yeah. the world and train other folks and educate other folks on how to be in positions of leadership with their art, with their politics. And, and it's happening. That's the transition I'm in now. So, so the very long winded story. That's I, okay. I, it was a good yeah. one. Oh, no, we was, needed all of that. Because that's this how is, I became a social wellness leader. Well, and that's, uh, that's where we came into the story. So it's cool to get the backstory of how you got to where you are today and the work you've done to get there. So right. whomever is reaching out and asking you, how do I do this? For me, it's it's literally the experience, right? I always say it's the school of hard knocks. Yeah. What my past has taught me is what I'm now teaching other people, just with a, a little bit more of a bow on top of it. Um, so we met you basically through good old TikTok. I, <laughs> I saw a video of you and you were in front of uh, a whole group of boys and you were talking about pop culture and how um they view the the women that they see on their screens and then they take that and they treat the women in their lives like that or vice versa they don't treat the women in their lives like that you were making a really stark contrast and i just i loved it i was like jill check this lady out we got to get her on the podcast she's Mm -hmm. she's doing what we're doing and it's amazing and so much of your story resonates with us i'm sure you saw our little head nods um because we face so many of the same things that you faced in in doing this work from the one-on work that's incredible and you wind up saying the same thing to the one-on-ones where you're like man if i could get a group Mm -hmm. if i could get you know, a, a stadium full of people, I could say this and they'd all absorb it at the same time. There would be so much greater impact to, you know, the, the leadership conversation. We can be in a room full of girls and we can ask who feels like a leader and you get one or two that raise their hand and usually it's the team captain. And it's like, no, honeys, y'all are leaders. Every single one of you is a leader, whether it's to your younger sibling or to your life, like you're influential to someone and we need more young people to understand that about themselves. So, Prior to us hitting record, we were talking about that particular TikTok video because as y'all well know, TikToks have the um, opportunity to go a little haywire and they tend to potentially attract people who your message wasn't for. So I want to hear a little bit more about what that experience was like for you in terms of what some people were saying, whether they were in agreement, whether they were naysayers, whether they were throwing you know, stones in glass houses because the message, the message was gold and the message needs to be shouted from the mountaintops because we, in our opinion, are not doing well handling social media. Um, As parents, as leaders, we don't know how to put the reins around it. We don't know how to put guardrails on it. We don't know how to put limits on it. And for the last 12 years, it's kind of been running our teens. We haven't been running it. It's been running them. Mm -hmm. So um, will you dive a little bit more into kind of the theme of that video, what you were talking about and why, and then kind of the aftermath? Sure. So, you know, I want to start off by saying shout outs to the young people who give me direction in my life. A couple of years ago, I had some young people saying, uh, Titi Mari, you need to, Titi Mari, you need to get on TikTok. You need to get on TikTok. And I was like, I'm not going on here to dance. Like, I don't even dance. <laughs> like, y'all in here doing all that. Like, that's not, you know, that's not my my cup of tea, right? And they were like, no, it's not like that. And I, I, I joined TikTok, but I wasn't active on it, right? I wasn't active. Here and there, I slap something up, but I wasn't consistent with, you know, posting the positive content that I create. And I have to shout them out because, you know, they were trying to drag me to do it and I didn't listen. And this is one thing I want to say to parents and adults is that your youth can teach you, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone that comes into our life, whether we like it or not, can teach us something, whether how we want to be, how we don't want to be, what happens when we listen or versus what we don't listen. And so I got to say that to my young folks who let me know years ago, because I probably would have had content that went viral a very long time ago, but Absolutely. divine energy said in time and timing said yeah. that this is the time. So yeah. shout out to my young people that, that put me up on game. So <laughs> yes, I did have a recent viral TikTok video and, you know, I think it's got like 2.6 million views. And I went from, you know, a couple hundred followers to almost over 30 K followers Dang, in a okay. couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. So that's organic. That's not me like yeah. buying and things like that. And one thing I'd like to say is 
I would be singing this message and I was singing this message, whether thousands of people notice it or not. And I think that's important for activists and people who are creating uh, positive entry points for community change is that we don't do it for likes and views. If, if it is so fit that we get the exposure, that's great because more people can be impacted. But I do notice a lot of folks, they are creating for this love fame that they get. And I, and I, I would like to believe, I know in my soul that I've been doing this for 20 years. It just so happened that this was the day and the video and the delivery and the impact that struck a chord. But uh, it's a wonderful organization by a man by the name of Timothy Poole. He has an organization called Hooked on Fishing, Not Violence. And it was him creating this nonprofit in response to young males, specifically young black males, who were struggling, not having a lot of positive opportunity and exposure. And one of the ancient traditions of, you know, putting young men through rites of passages for many generations is I'm going to take your butt out on a boat. I'm going to take you out. fishing. I'm going <laughs> to teach you a life skill, but you can't run off. And now we could talk about the birds. Yes, and the we can, love uh, it. You know, trap all them on that. a boat. Trap them <laughs> on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is his organization. And uh, I had noticed him in community. It's important for me to not just talk about the TikTok video, but how that came to be that particular experience, because sometimes people will take all the shine and not uh, recognize the different elements that were in place for it. So although the video went viral, I need to shine light on Brother Tim and hooked on uh, fishing, not violence, because he had been doing this for years and I kept my eye on him. I kept saying, I'm going to make sure to work with him because I support what he does. So that finally came to fruition we connected and he booked me to come out to work with this group of boys. So that's the, the backdrop. And he was like, look, we really need a workshop on respecting women. We teach them this, but we want them to hear it from a woman's perspective. And it, that's important that people pay attention to that because the viral video is like four minutes. The workshop was a full hour, right? right. So yeah. when you get a lot of those knee jerk reactions from folks who, well, why don't you have this for the girls or you need to talk to the young ladies? That's not what the workshop was for. The workshop was about this particular topic. You're only going to get so much out of four minutes. How do you know what I did or didn't say? Right. Exactly. But that's again the yeah. quick judgment and some of those isms and schisms that show up in people <laughs> when they're looking to judge or destroy what was nothing but positive, firm and nurturing energy. Right. So you know, in some of the interactions that you will see is me nurturing them, but doing it, like I say, in a firm way, yeah. which you have to do that to garner respect from young men oftentimes. Like if you're, if you're, if you're a pushover and you don't show that I can be strong, divine feminine energy, but you're also going to respect me. There's an energy that I wanted them to engage with. And so really I just started the conversation by asking questions. Who do, who entertains you? What's the kind of stuff that your entertainers are talking about from the music artists to the video games, to the, you know, all these things. So once they started letting me know, then we did the second level, which is a deep observation of what are those messages saying? Right. Then I began to connect it to how that is impacting their outlook, their disposition and their engagement with the women in their lives. Do you treat your mama this way? And, you know, the main person that I asked, I said, you know, who, you know, teaches you and shows you respect? For the most part, it was moms, right? And then I asked them who shows you and teaches you disrespect from, you know, the, from women. And that's when they begin to, you know, dive in on, hey, this is, this is the representation of pop culture and the women that we see. And I was, help, I was able to help them correlate how that impact is molding how they treat and think about and view the women in their lives that aren't their moms and aren't their sisters and aren't their aunts. And that's where the conversation went. And then finally, we went through some exercises because it was clear to me that you're being taught by these pop culture artists and, and influencers how to be disrespectful. Let's practice what it feels like it looks like to be respectful. And so I gave them an opportunity, like practice on auntie, right? Practice on me. Give me some <laughs> affirmations, right? 100%. And, and they were with it. And it was interesting is that 
for most people, it's the outer, right? It's, oh, you look good today. You, you, you know, you're well put together, things like that. And I wanted them to go deeper and say, okay, that's true. Uh, thank you for that compliment. Top layer but, of the onion. What's next? What's next? What about mm-hmm. my energy? And then the conversation and the affirmation shifted anymore. So it's not my job to tell them, don't listen to these artists and don't follow these influencers. Because the moment you tell a young person what they can't oh, yeah. ignore and do, you're, you're going to do it you're twice. You're operating out of fear. What yeah. I did was introduce a polarized experience that says, this is not all there is. It doesn't yeah. stop here. Just because the world allows you to behave and engage with women in this disrespectful way doesn't mean that that's all that there is. It's my job to usher in an opportunity to show them there's something different and then they can choose how they want to engage, but at least they are now exposed to what healthy engagement with a caring woman or a stranger that they've never met before, that they can give and receive respect and not pattern it after what they're seeing in social media and some of the music they listen to. Woo! I am so fired up over (laughs) here. There's so many things that I want to say, but what I love the most about this experience that we got to have a four minute snippet like I felt like I was in the room that I also got to learn I'm a I'm a boy mom so although I own a a business that is all girl centric I'm also raising two boys in my house right so I love the call out around not operating in fear because if I start telling them not to do something that's when they shut down and they're not going to come to me anymore So what I've noticed in the work that we do is this unspoken expectation that our kids are supposed to know how to respect people or know how to make their dinner or know how to pick their clothes up off of the floor and put it into the laundry basket. So what I love about this experience is leveling with these kids and and connecting with them of like, okay, yeah, this is cool. And, um, Let's have a different conversation because what you're listening to, who has your ear is impacting how you operate in this world and and teaching them and having them practice is so important because we just kind of expect our kids to know because we said it once or twice or, or whatever that is, but to get in the trenches with these boys, I guarantee you completely altered how they then approached their mom, their sister, a friend, a female coach, you name it. So I love that you did that with them because it's definitely a practice that I'm doing um, as a parent myself. Well, and the practice part. So if we think about it logically, if you want your kids to play sports, baseball, they got to practice swing, right? They don't just go play the game. They have practice and it's usually hours upon hours upon hours. I mean, how many free throws did Michael Jordan take, right? There, there's there's the reps that you have to put in. We're not right. just mentally well. We don't just know how to operate with people. Right. We have to have the practice, right? We often look at COVID and the kids coming out of the, the classroom experiences they missed. We can say that they didn't get the reps. They weren't actually with people to have the practice, to have conversations with mm-hmm. people, to know that they might need a little extra practice they might need a little extra guidance because they don't necessarily have the skills that we expect them to have at that age so the whole experience getting to hear the background of it and and what people said it is very easy to look at something on the internet and be like why didn't she do that what it's like man just can we ask y'all a favor to just take a deep breath before you type, before those thumbs get moving? Can you pop on your critical thinking skills for just 2.4 seconds before right. hitting send? Yeah. How because would, if you were right. the creator, would, so would you like that comment? Much more yeah. to the story. Yeah, and is. as you pointed out before we hit record, you literally had the same conversation with a group of girls not two weeks later, right? <laughs> and that video didn't pop off for whatever reason. TikTok was like, grab this one, put it in the algorithm, see what the people say. <laughs> but the same conversation with girls, you had that, you have that, you consistently have that. You mm-hmm. said you work with people from seven to 70, right? It's not like we're not in this conversation all day, every day, because it's not just the teens that need to hear this, it's also the people around them. 
right? Right. The community that you pointed out, right? In the storytelling that you grew up knowing, it's because the community members cared enough to educate you on it. And Mm -hmm. we're, we're at a precipice where it feels like we're lacking that. We're all very tight to the chest with, with who we are, what we're doing. And we don't feel like opening up to help other people grow up in the manner that, that we may have missed out on, but we don't want to give them the tools to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. So what scares me about that or what irks me about it, why we're so on fire about the work we're doing is these kids coming up are going to be our change makers. They're our policy makers. They're going to be our, our future activists if they're not now. I mean, if TikTok's done one thing, it's given the microphone to people a lot earlier in life. And you can see the spark in these kids' eyes when they're faced with community issues and they want to solve a problem. And we don't often give them enough credit. You said something earlier in terms of being able to learn something from everybody that you meet, regardless of how old they are. And we don't give our teen and tween population enough credit. We're like, you're on your phone too much. You can't make eye contact. You listen to so-and-so on the radio. Your opinion doesn't matter. And it's like, no, we're totally approaching it from the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So we just, we commend you for the work that you do and the way that you're able to use your voice, that's been very inspiring to us. I was just going to say that. And I think what is really beautiful in this, in, in what you do and what we do, is that we bring real examples to these young people. For example, um, my kiddo at school, um, they have a great social emotional learning program, but the material is drab oh my gosh (laughs) it is it is not current it's not relevant there is an opportunity to really capitalize on the messaging and it, it just kind of falls flat so what i love is like you take what is relevant what the kids are talking about because when you can speak their language they're willing if they're like it when you can hook them they're gonna lean in a little bit more and be like okay she actually knows it feels like she knows me and that's exactly what we do with our girls if we came from a very old school approach we're not going to hit the mark so i also want to say that the topics are relevant how you approach conversations is relevant and with your experience as opposed to coming from judgment or making them feel wrong it's like hey let's connect let's connect and and let let me show you another way so i just wanted to call that out because I feel like curriculums. We're missing the mark. Curriculums need a need a, a, a refresh. They yeah. old. They old. Yeah. They old. They're I, old. They're I old. When I was in school, mm-hmm. that the sex ed tape they had bell bottoms. Oh on them. my god! Oh, no. Bell bottoms oh, are coming know. back. Though. <laughs> I mean, I guess eventually they do. Yeah, but right? the point is, is you know, when you're dealing with old archaic systems that are, are able to you know, operate kind of like colonizers, like how I said is how I say, and this is how it's going to go forever. And it's like, yo, like times do and will change. And even ancient wisdom, the way we deliver it and the intention and the energy behind it, it, it's going to be revised. And, you know, there are some traditions that we do want to honor and uphold from our elders, But we also know that our elders, when they're in a space of accountability, they're also going to begin to observe areas that says, yeah, we kind of missed the mark there. And this is an area that we need to learn from. Our young people are telling us the A, B, and C. That's still emotional data. And that's one thing that oftentimes I'm doing. I'm just allowing them to express the emotional data. I'm allowing them to have emotional decompression without whether I agree with it or not, just it's hard to get anybody to change and listen to you when they're frustrated, when they're not being heard, when they when they feel invisible. So a lot of my job when I'm bringing in that universal auntie energy is, look, I know you don't want to listen to your mama because she's nagging at you and telling you what to do. Aunties usually have a little bit of a different vibe because they can be firm with you. They can tap you on your tail and just let you know, but they also make you a little plate. They'll tickle with you. They'll they'll holler the lesson, but we'll also whisper <laughs> and joke about the lesson, right? And and I'm okay with being fluid with that universal auntie energy. I claim that, right? And and one thing about being an auntie is it ain't got to be biological. I got big mamas and big aunties in my life that are not my blood relatives or whatever. 
just like you are to the young ladies that you serve, that feminine energy of firm nurturing and leadership is very necessary. Um, it's not my job. And, and this is one thing that's important. A lot of people are like, well, who are you to you know teach these boys to be men? I'm not here to teach them how to be men, but I am here to be a positive influence from with feminine energy to teach them things that they need to hear from my perspective. And that's, you know, although, you know, I use the moniker social wellness leader, that is the title, but the actual action is a social wellness practitioner. And that is me creating opportunities for people to practice social wellness, what that looks like and feels like, especially after, you know, these manufactured experiences and pandemics that are being created. Uh, a lot of people recognize COVID-19 and natural disasters as physical trauma, but it was just, as, if not more, traumatizing and it stagnated our growth and development mentally and emotionally. And so that's my job is to create, you know, whether it's a keynote, a workshop, training experiences uh, for all different, you know, organizations, foundations, schools. It's my job to usher in opportunities for social emotional development that lead to social emotional wellness. And that could be mental health, that could be emotional hygiene, that could be all of the above. But when we get that practice, seven years old to 70 years old, right? And plus we're able to function at a level of returning to a space of peace and humanity. And I have to believe that that's worth something, no matter how many hecklers come into the comments, no matter how many people are trying to find the divide or issue with it. And, you know, a lot, I used to say my message ain't for everybody. Actually, it is for everybody. It's whether or not you, you, you want to receive it, it right? whether or not you want to receive it. If it's not for you, I don't feel bad about it at all. So right. that is, you know, the premise to how and why I function the way I do as a social wellness practitioner. That's where the psychiatrists and the psychologists come in, because I'm going to ship you off to them if you're not receiving it. You need totally. deeper help at this point. I'll, yeah. be, I'll be here later. Yeah. Yeah. I, you are not a candidate for my search. <laughs> Amen, honey. <laughs> um, that was going to be my final question to you was, if people are listening to this and they're fired up, they're like, they need some UAE, universal anti-energy. Exactly. Um, and they, they want to, they, and maybe, maybe they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. um, how, what, what would you recommend for people who are like, all right, great. I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to be in this work, but I also want to do this work with my child. What, what, what advice do you have for them? And then what services that, um, that you just said that you could offer as well? Okay. So one thing I would say to parents or guardians, folks that are in positions of leadership and influence is get the own your shit workbook for yourself first. Right. And again, don't freak out. If I said own your trauma, it'd be boring and you'd walk by. I needed to have a hook. And again, yeah. the acronym is some healing in there. And I think the number one thing that shows up for parents when they're working with their youth or wanting to work with their youth is they're constantly being triggered while they're in a position of leadership. Uh -huh. And oh, when yeah. you are constantly being triggered in a, in, a, in a position of leadership, it's going to ooze in the decision-making process and how you lead whoever you're in a position of leading. So I always tell folks, if you want to be a healthy parent, work on your inner healing, work on your self-awareness, work on actively working through your trauma responses, even if it's something that you've told yourself was 20 years ago and you're mm -hmm. old. It has. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. I'm the mama here. I'm the daddy here. That's yeah. not enough to raise a healthy human being. That is called cloaked. That's denial, right? That is a lack of self-awareness. So number one, uh, you can go to my website, which is missmariana.today. And when you go there, treat yourself to the workbook. It's only 50 pages. Don't freak out. This is not one of those long programs where it's a 50 page interactive workbook with charts and graphs and prompts, right? So it's not just the plain journaling. I love journaling, but sometimes people get a journal, you know, you go to the dollar like store, what? you get yourself a new journal, you're just staring at it. You don't know what to do. This has uh, a lot of need to do this. <laughs> this has a lot of activities for self-assessment, a lot of activities to make divine connections. And then the towards the end, it helps you to set yourself up with a plan of action to be able to assess, mm, do I need a therapist? What's the next step for me in my healthy lifestyle? You get the workbook first. Then if you feel that it's either age appropriate, and, and don't get me wrong, I've had parents of middle school students 
who there's there or children who they've been through trauma and they're like, you know what? I will explain the acronym because most of the music they listen to has way worse. Oh, words. Yeah. It's yeah. the content, right? Then once you get the workbook, instead of telling them they need to get their act together, you slide them a workbook, but let them see you working on your stuff too. And that can begin a conversation where we can not only get into owning our own personal trauma and behaviors and reactions, but then you can start getting into a generational healing conversation, which are you? Let's go. The reason why mama acts this way to you, because dad, your grandpapa was strict on me or beat me. Or the reason why I behave this way when you behave this way and then we get into it. Now there's a collective acknowledgement Mm of it as opposed to I'm the leader, I'm the parent, do, do what, what I, I say. You be yeah. perfect and 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 act the way I want you to without any accountability for yourself. So that would be the first tool and resource. The second would be if you are head of an organization, institution, school, and you want to hire me to come facilitate either a keynote for your conferences or summits or an interactive workshop for them or come to your campus reach out, go to the booking tab and let me know when your event is. We can hook up, we can have a consultation and I can come out to facilitate either that keynote, that interactive workshop or that that training facilitation. Maybe if you are having, you know, I've worked with, you know, social workers, educators, student staff, all kind of stuff. So you can design that. And in, in the consultation, we can customize what that theme might be, right, for your event or for your workshop. So if I have a long list of topics there, but that it's not limited to that. We can customize the experience. And I think lastly, if you are in a position where you want to support this social wellness work. There are a lot of high schools and smaller organizations that want to have me travel and come out and work with either doing workshops or trainings, but they don't have the budget for it. Uh You can also go to my website, hit the donate tab, and those resources go towards, goes towards me getting to different campuses, different smaller organizations. And basically it's a way you can pay it forward if you want to contribute to some of this social wellness. So number one, you can do the one-on-one work with yourself. Number two, you can bring me out to your school or your organization. And that's a way that you can support social wellness. (laughs) And then number three, (laughs) you can donate and pay it forward for other folks who might not be able to afford it, but are in dire need of the services and the social wellness work that I provide. And it's as easy as one, two, three, ABC, baby, let's go. (laughs) No, we're, we're so, so this conversation was beautiful because it feels like we are you. It feels like we literally bridged a gap of, of years and years and years of work in the span of an hour, which is super cool. And it doesn't have to feel like we're in some sort of a silo doing this work alone. That's the other awesome part about social media is we okay. get to find other cool people doing really cool, yeah. dare I say shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So sorry, thank you. Sorry, not sorry, parents. Sorry, not no, sorry. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. Your kids are saying it. Sometimes it's a connection point. But thank <laughs> you for your time, your big, beautiful brain, your expertise, your um, energy. Yeah. Uh, audience, we'll link everything we need to link in the show notes for you to be able to find. Um, and we're kicking you out. Uh, Mariana, you stay. We'll 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 see you on the next episode of What's the Lesson. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to What's the Lesson? If you're feeling the same, I can do anything attitude that we are, here's how you can keep the momentum going. Spread the good vibes. Share this episode with your friends, family, or give us a shout out on your social media. Fancy a trip to iTunes town? We're all ears for your ratings and reviews. Seriously, we read each one of them. Your thoughts are like gold to us. Lastly, let's be friends. Hang out with us on social media for more awesome content and behind the scenes action. And until we meet again, remember our golden rule. Turning those WTF moments into WTL moments is a superpower. Practice is always progress. And you've got this.